Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I just biked around Lake Michigan, nearly a thousand miles. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Perfect. AOC's ripping rom. But AOC, you didn't know that he biked around Michigan, that she would reconsider well, some of those comments. I take that back. <laughs> Wait, is that an AOC imitation? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I take that back. I'm AOC. <laughs> Who does that sound? That sounds like someone. Hmm. Sounds like someone. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 1st, is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. I just biked around Lake Michigan. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. Nearly a thousand miles. Oh. Chicago Teachers Union. And today's program is brought to you by Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. For all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, <laughs> including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Go check it out, Chicago Reader. Subscribe, chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. You can become a binhead, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. For more information, go to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. It is Wednesday, September 1st, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns, Delmarie Cobb returns, and we welcome Norman Solomon. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Comedy Central Wednesday, and here's why. Because Republicans are a laughing stock. That's why, by the way. Charlie, that's who that invitation was. Charlie, I take a moment to break uh, in our opening to have an inside conversation with producer Dennis. Oh. Your invitation of AOC, Charlie. Anyway, Charlie from WCPT days. Okay, we weren't supposed to say that. Well, there's a lot of Charlies out there. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Good time, Charlie's got the blues. Anyway, focus, Ben, focus. We're calling this Comedy Central Wednesday, and here's why. Because Republicans are laughingstock. That's why. In Illinois, in Illinois, they get to be all legitimate, like, you know, because they're the minority party, they're not in charge. So they pretend they really care about things like principles, speaking out against the Democratic map, the Democratic legislative map. That's just reading about this in the Sun-Times. They laugh it out loud. They're outraged. They call it a sham. They say it has no, it has no interest in honest government. That's because the Democrats in Illinois are doing to Republicans in Illinois what Republicans are doing to Democrats in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina. I can't even keep it up. 
They're minimizing the electoral power by packing Republicans into a handful of districts. That's what the Democrats in Illinois are doing to Republicans. And that's exactly what Republicans have been doing to Democrats throughout the country for years. And that way they minimize the power of the opposition party by spreading them over. Well, they maximize their power by spreading them out over many districts. So you have Republican led assemblies that could do almost anything including pass election laws designed to discourage black people from voting and pass abortion laws that make abortion virtually illegal, as they've done in Texas, as the Supreme Court says they have a right to do in Texas. That story is breaking as I speak. They do this even as Republicans everywhere decrying, don't tell us what to do with our bodies. It's a personal choice. That's what they're saying when it comes to the government mandating uh, vaccines. You know, Terry, Tos- Terry Cosgroves comes on the show all the time. Terry's the leader of personal PAC here in the city of Chicago. He's the leading abortion rights uh, PAC in Illinois. It's the leading abortion rights PAC in Illinois. Terry's been on the front line of this issue for like forever. And we'd be talking and I'd say, you know, T, say what you will about Republicans. They're pretty good at coming up with snappy phrases that summarize their positions so that ordinary Americans nod their heads and say, you know, it makes sense to me. I'm not an ideologue, Ben, <laughs> but it makes sense. You know, like if you're a paragon of common sense because you have no opinion about something and you just buy in to whatever rhetoric the other side throws out. Sorry, that's voter shaming and I'm not doing any more voter shaming, D. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. <laughs> Republicans are pretty good at coming up with uh, phrases to sum up their positions, Terry Cosgrove, but when necessary, they'll just steal yours. They call it a personal choice when they don't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> They're shameless. Back to Republicans in Illinois crying like babies because Democrats are doing to them, as I said, what Republicans have done to Democrats all over the country. So you have the leader of the, Dem- of the Republicans in the House, Jim Durkin from suburban DuPage County crying. Contrary to the campaign promises, the House Democrats passed a legislative map that's unfair to us. Oh, poor baby. Boo-hoo. By the way, the guy's a TIFF lawyer. Just want to mention that. Okay, just threw that out there. Anyway, while they're sobbing in Springfield and uh, acting like they care about larger issues of the public good, the rest of the party is trying to kill us off with anti-masking mandates and anti-vaxxing mandates. In Illinois, the Republicans say Pritzker is a tyrant for forcing people to wear masks in stores. But then Ron DeSantis is doing the same thing, only with the opposite objective in Florida. He's enforcing a mandate against masking mandates. So it's against the law in Florida to pass a law that says you have to wear a mask. How is that liberty? Please answer that, Representative Durkin. (laughs) Sorry, I just... Love my imitation of Representative Durkin crying. Boo-hoo! This is why I say, by the way, that uh, John Cantazera should hurry up and go to Florida. Actually, Dennis was the one who said I got to give him a shout-out. Cantazera is the head of the Fraternal Order of the Police right here in the city of Chicago, and he was the one who likened making city workers take the shot to marching Jews to their deaths in Nazi gas chambers. Then when the proverbial shit hit the proverbial fan for him saying that, he blamed Fran Spielman, the reporter who had quoted him. I thought it was off the record, he said. Dude, the problem isn't so much that Fran said you said it. The problem is that it's apparently how you view the world. You might want to think about your own personal responsibility in this. 
Isn't that what Republicans are supposed to be all about? Personal responsibility. I can argue that France Bill had done a service to the entire city of Chicago by reporting this. Either way, the Sun-Times, as I like to m- mention all the time, has given John Catanzara barrels and barrels of ink. They've made him a, mag- a MAGA superstar cult figure right here in the city of Chicago, so it's a little ungrateful for him to complain. Anyway, now MAGA is taking anti-worming medicine because they think it will kill COVID. They don't want the vaccine, but they want anti-worming medicine that generally gets fed to horses. And they're mad because they can't find doctors to prescribe it to them. The doctors are going, I can't believe this. Doctors don't even know what to do. It's like they're pleading, begging MAGA to get the shot. MAGA's like, no, I don't trust that shot. (laughs) Give me this medicine that you usually give to horses. Anyway, folks, I really, really try hard to be a good lefty like Jimmy Dore my good friend Leonard Goodman tell me and say a pox on the Democrats because the Democrats are up to no good. But Jimmy, Leonard, have you been watching these Republicans? They're God awful. We've got a great show today. Speaking of poxes on Democrats and Republicans, Monroe Anderson will be here. That'll be a lot of pox on Republicans. That's for sure. But in the second hour, uh, Delmarie Cobb and her old ally, Norman Solomon, will be joining us. And they're sort of leading the charge uh, to pressure Joe Biden into dropping uh, the nomination of Rahm Emanuel as ambassador to Japan. Yeah, we haven't forgotten that one. Uh, I'm a member of that uh, that movement as well. I do not understand why Joe Biden would waste all just waste our energy and time bringing Rom back as a, as ambassador uh, to Japan. Rom is doing great. He's got he's uh, on the George Stephanopoulos show. You know he's regularly quoted in all the newspapers in Chicago. He writes essays. What else? He's a isn't he runs like a hedge fund or works for a hedge fund group. I mean he's really doing well. What does he need this appointment? And what message are you sending about out about the Democratic Party and what they represent by doing so? Anyway, so Dunmarie Cobb and Norman Solomon will be here uh, to argue that point uh, vociferously in the second half of the show. In the first half of the show, Monroe Anderson will be here. He's just taking his time to get here. And uh, he will play the role he generally plays when he comes on the show, which is kind of funny if you know Monroe, uh, the responsible centrist defending Dems which is pretty interesting because you actually talk to the guy. (laughs) He's about as radical as I am. But anyway, uh, Monroe will be joining us as well. Got a lot to talk about, particularly the anti-vaccine crusade. Uh, And then he'll stick around with uh, Delmarie and Norman as they talk about. By the way, D, as I came on the air, uh, AOC, Congresswoman from New York, uh, had been denouncing Rom, calling on uh, Biden to withdraw uh, Emmanuel's nomination as ambassador to Japan called it deeply shameful. Someone texted, to me, texted to this to me. So AOC is listening to the show today to let her know that um, a lot of people in the city of Chicago feel the same way she does. Now, the uh, the Tribune quoted a couple of aldermen in the city of Chicago, uh, Jason Urban from the west side and uh, Howard Brookins from the south side, uh, who defended Rahm, said he was a great mayor, did well by them. Uh, so, yeah, Rom does have his support in the city of Chicago. And I often wonder, had he run 
that third time, had he run instead of stepping down in 2019, would he have been victorious? You know, would Barack Obama have endorsed him? Wow, let's think about that. Barack Obama endorsed Rom in 2011, which is largely the reason Rom won without a runoff, defeating uh, about, what, four or five opponents. And then Barack really came out strong for him in 2015. Uh, and that's why Rom uh, managed to defeat Chewy Garcia in the runoff. And so it went to a runoff. Uh, would Barack Obama have stuck his neck out for Rom in 2019 had Rom run again? Wow. And would it have mattered in the city of Chicago? Barack Obama still have the power uh, of endorsement, that power that his name has here among so many voters in the city of Chicago who just love him so much. That is a really uh, tough call. I'm going to ask Delmarie that one um, when she joins us. Uh, would Barack Obama's endorsement have carried Rom to a third victory? I'll think about that when uh, Delmarie's with us. But right now, joining us from his home, his palatial living uh, room with a cool, super cool T-shirt, no static blues band, the legendary Monroe Anderson. Welcome back, Monroe. Uh, good to be here. Uh, the ROM part of the conversation won't begin until the second part of the show when uh, your good friend Delmarie uh, joins us. She's leading the crusade, as I was saying. Uh, so we'll hold off on ROM discussion until then. And uh, we'll start. Where should we start? Well, let's start with uh, uh, what's on my mind these days, uh, Monroe. Uh, the anti-vaxxers. Uh, and... Uh, <sighs> The anti-vaxxers complete, have taken complete control of the Republican Party. And I was just pointing this out before you came on, that here uh, in Illinois, the Republicans try to pretend as though they, have, they, uh, they believe in larger principles of the public good and the public interest. And right now, as we speak, denouncing uh, J.B. Pritzker uh, for the legislative map that he's supporting in Springfield. But meanwhile, their party is controlled by anti-vaxxers who don't want people to take the vaccine and uh, or, wear the act, mask. or wear the mask. Right. Yes. Or wear the mask. It's and the party of death. It's the party. So please explain this to me, Monroe. Uh, you were, you were the one who told me that Cam Newton, I mean, they, yeah. they're paying a price for it just right. in general, not right. taking the vaccine. Cam Newton who was once a great quarterback for the North Carolina Panthers, was dropped by the New England Patriots in part because he wasn't vaccinated. Is that correct? Yes. He refused to get the vaccination. So you've been around. That's what I heard on the radio. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but. Well, it, this this is an issue, by the way. Get your thoughts on this. This is an issue right, uh, right now in uh, pro football where I, I think I may have mentioned this to you, the uh, coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Urban Meyer, mentioned that uh, he uh, cut a player in part because the player wasn't vaccinated. And his argument was, it's not the only reason that I cut this player, dismissed this player from the football team, but the player is on the, sort of on the bubble. Could have right. gone either way. And when you weighed it all in, the fact that he wasn't that great – yeah, uh, and was just run of the mill. You add to that mix not being vaccinated. That means he could potentially spread the uh, the COVID to the rest of the team. Or if he were detected with it, even if he didn't spread it to anyone, the um, restrictions that he goes through uh, are far. 
more time consuming than it would be if he had the vaccination. So the, you have to sit out longer uh, if you're unvaccinated. So it would hurt the team. Do you follow right. what I'm saying? So right. when you add it all together, it's like, well, he's not worth keeping around because he's not that good. Right. You follow what I'm saying? And now the, the, the well, Cam the, Newton is good, but he's not that good, I guess. No, he's not that good. <laughs> he's not that good. <laughs> exactly. You know, but, but the thing is, what what amazes me is that these these the anti-vaxxers and the right wingers have turned this into a personal thing. You know, it's their body; they have a right to do with it what they want. The problem is, this is a communicable disease, so it may be your body, but you can infect other people, um, and therefore infect their bodies. And therefore, you, you shouldn't get a vote on this. It's not about, it, you know, if you're going to do a freedom argument, then I have a, a right to, I, I, I should have the freedom to not worry about catching your disease. Yeah. So what's your stand on uh, Lori Lightfoot or any mayor or any governor uh, or any CEO, for that matter, mandating uh, his or her employees to get the vaccine? Well, I think it should be a, a, a mandate. Since the right wingers have a problem with the word mandate, we can say it's a requirement <laughs> instead of a mandate. But they should be required to get a vaccination. And I don't even go with this religious BS, you know, because um, the Rastas say they're religious. They're religious. Say so they can get high. <laughs> Your religion can be whatever you want it to be. So I, I think it should be for medical reasons, and that's it. Other than that, you gotta you are required to have wow. a vaccination. Well, now you're asking you're asking for a fight. Okay, you're asking for a fight when you say people do not have uh, a right to proclaim uh, a religious reason for defying a government you know you're asking for a fight you're asking for a bitter bitter fight okay. and you'll probably be opposed by your good friend willie wilson on this one yeah right uh, probably but you know, you know but the way i look at it is if god didn't want you to have the vaccination he wouldn't have let the uh moderna advisor develop it <laughs> i gotta think about that one existential questions from Monroe Anderson. It's a little early in the day for me to ponder that one. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying about uh, claiming a religious reason for whatever stance you're taking and being willing to pay the price for it. Like the great Muhammad Ali uh, paid a right. price because yeah. he said his religion would not allow him uh, to be drafted in the army and go fight in the Vietnam War. Right. Uh, and by the way, I didn't see any I just want to say this right now. I did not see anybody on the right defending Muhammad Ali on no. that one. Just pointing that one out. Uh, right. Mon- no, they, they, they have so selective morality yeah. overall. Uh, but, yeah. but, but, get, but getting back to this requirement, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you, you got the, uh, some people in the military saying that they shouldn't be forced to get the, the vaccination. They get all kinds of vaccinations. When you, when, you, when, you, when you go through basic training, they jack you up with all kinds of things. 
And Ooh, Barbara Lewis has suddenly joined the conversation. Yeah, right. I know. It <laughs> seems like a long, long time, stranger. Yeah, right. I know. And I know it's, it's my cell somewhere, which I, I, I seldom get calls. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never answer it. You know the irony of this, ladies and gentlemen? I call him on a cell, he never answers it. I'm interviewing him on my podcast on a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some scammer calling. Okay, I love that song, by the way. And now it's going to be in my mind for the rest of the day. <laughs> Hello, strangers. Seems like Chicago's own. Uh, that was recorded in the city city of Chicago. Anyway, that's a. Uh, uh, I went on a tangent there. What were you saying? I was saying with the, these these soldiers, they get all kinds of vaccinations. Uh, with the parents complaining, saying that their children shouldn't be vaccinated, they get all sorts of vaccinations. You know, you go to school, you got to get a, a measles, a polio, a mumps. You know, you got to get. Uh, so what they've done is just politicized um, kids getting it. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. It's no, I. It, it, it's madness. Uh, and you know, uh, Neil Steinberg wrote a pretty good column today, Sun Times, uh, where he's pointing out that this madness has ruled the land before. So let's not act as though this is just unique for this era. So I, I appreciate Neil's for his historical uh, perspective on it. But I don't know, Monroe. I I can't recall definitely within the last twenty years this just such blatant, bold insanity. Yes. out in the open ruling and i watch i've talked about this a couple times i was talking about this a lot yesterday i don't know if you saw this the video of the firefighter uh in la this huge man i mean this mo mountain of a man very powerful looking physical specimen and he's broken up because the city of los angeles is requiring firefighters to uh, get the vaccine and he's acting as though it's the most uh, despicable move in the direction of tyranny and invasion of privacy and liberty that he has ever seen in his entire life. And I'm thinking, what rock has he crawled out from under? No, I know. Go governments, they've been requiring firefighters to take urine tests to see if they've been smoking reefer forever. Right. And that wasn't an invasion of your liberty and your, pri and I just, I can't get over, I can't. It, it's, it, no, it's, it's sheer insanity. It really is. Um, and that's because of um, y your dear leader, the <laughs> <Which> orange one. one. <laughs> which, which dear leaders? <laughs> the real president who's hanging out in, my, in, in his, 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 his country club in Florida. Oh, Donnie. Yeah. Okay. My wait, dear leader. Wait, wait. <laughs> you know, he started this stuff. And well, he, you know. Yeah. I, I am now going to defend Donald Trump on this point and get your response uh, and defend okay. his in uh, quotes. Uh, he championed it. He wrote it. You're absolutely correct. He, he, he profited from it. Uh, you know, like um, Eddie Verdoliak in the city of Chicago, uh, he didn't invent uh, racism and white fear and white hatred of black people, but he certainly used it to get right. political power. You follow what right. I'm saying? Right. So Donnie Trump did not invent the anti-vaxxer movement, but he wrote it. 
Right. And he was trying to take advantage of it. And now I don't think I think it's beyond him, because as you you pointed out to me at his speech that he gave, where was it, in Alabama, where he urged yeah. people briefly at one point to get vaccine, yeah, get the vaccination booed. and he got booed. He backed right. off of that one. Right. You know, so yeah. I, I, it's pretty clear that it's it's out beyond his control and that if he wants to maintain, retain the loyalty of MAGA, he has to bow to MAGA on this issue, even right. though they're controlling him. Yes. I, you know, they're controlling him now. It's, 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 it's the tail wagging the dog. Uh, and that's, that's, I, I, I find that ironic and delicious. <laughs> and scary. Well, no, 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 no. You see, I, I'm the, this is my optimist popping up. Is that uh, this movement is, is going to is in the pr- process of self destructing because it's, it's gone so far wild and crazy that um, most Americans aren't aren't going for it. You know, they will, with the um, with the war, the the, the now ended war. Mm-hmm. Uh, most Americans want that war ended. And so the Republicans are trying to get some mileage out of it by, by talking about how many Americans um, died, the 13 that died, uh, which, is, which is really ridiculous when you stop and think how many Americans have died from virus because of Trump's incompetence. 625,000 or something like that. And... Um, they're they're calling for Biden to be impeached because 13 Americans got killed by a suicide bomber. And it, and just for the record, uh, if you rem, re, remember this, maybe six to seven months ago, I told you that if if um, if the Republicans take over the House next year, they're going to impeach Biden. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're already calling for. I mean, it's this is just war is hell. People die at war all the time, and so you're going to impeach a president because 13 people died. Well, the Republican, you're right. I I think you're uh, right on with your prediction that if the Republicans uh, were to take over Congress, that'd be the first thing they try to do would be try to avenge the two impeachments of Donald Trump. Right. uh, Which, in my humble opinion, were legitimate. Right. Uh, Very. Very, particularly the second one, uh, which uh, was had to do with the insurrection of January 6th. You mean the perfect call? Oh, no, you're yeah. not talking about the perfect call. You no, the perfect call. How about the other? Well, I yeah. would have voted for each one, but I yeah, thought the right. second one was. Right. Yeah, I, I don't but know. We're trying to clean that up now. Oh, and now did you see where McCarthy is threatening the, um, the, the media companies? I mean, the tele, telephone and, and cable companies, they're their records of who called who has been subpoenaed by the committee, the the, the January 6th committee. Mm -hmm. And so McCarthy is saying that when they when they get the majority next year, they will take a uh, uh, they they will take revenge on these media companies for giving the Democrats, the Democrats 
the cell phone information on the Republicans, who they were calling and talking to, and how they were they were plotting the insurrection. <laughs> Well, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the uh, congressman from uh, California, the leader of the Republicans in the Congress. I don't know. Yeah, that, like I'm saying, uh, it, it will be uh, it's a frightening thing to think uh, if the Republicans are in charge of the House. Right. Uh, and um, so I. I try to remain as optimistic uh, as you are, Monroe, about these things. But I get a little nervous. Uh, and California is one place I'm very nervous because in many ways uh, what's happening in California is sort of like a precursor of what could be happening in our uh, the larger country come uh, 2022. Of course, in California, uh, there's a recall attempt against Gavin Newsom, the governor, the, who's a Democrat, and he brought on a lot of it himself with his uh, stupidity. Right. hypocrisy. We all know that. Uh, but now they're on the threshold of possibly electing Larry Elder, who is as far right as you can possibly get, I suppose, uh, in the state of California. Maybe not as far right, but he's pretty out there. He's about he's almost as far right as you can get anywhere, anywhere. in the country. Yeah. And so in the bizarre situation that they have in California, the way their recall works, uh, he could win the um, the popular vote, if you will, to uh, su- succeed Newsom if Newsom does not get uh, a, uh, a vote to uh, kill the recall. And he right. could be elected with a 29 percent. Yeah. So it's a simple for so, the vote, yes. Yeah, so they need to rewrite that this law they have going on because it, it makes no sense that a minority can displace uh, a plurality. Because <laughs> if um, if if the governor ends up with forty nine percent, then um, Elder becomes the new governor. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It just well, makes no sense. Well, next week, we're having on the show uh, an activist in uh, California, Bruce Williams, who's been on the show in the past. I was talking to him when I was set up the interview, uh, and he was actually uh, confident. He was like Monroe Anderson, like in his confidence uh, that Democrats would prevail. Uh, and he, <laughs> uh, so he made me feel a little bit better. Uh, he said that most of the panic is based on one poll. Uh, and he believes that the Democrats' strategy of just saying vote no which just keep it as simple as you can. No to the recall. There's right. vote no. Yeah. Uh, we we discussed this last yes. week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. He, he buys into your uh, theory the, and uh, he thinks uh, Newsom will prevail. And not that he, by the way, is any more complimentary about Newsom or any less upset at what Newsom did in November by going to the French laundry restaurant and just right. making a mockery of Democrats everywhere. Right. Why are Democrats their own worst? Monroe, I was thinking about this. I told you this. Uh, we'll probably get into this when uh, we have uh, Del Marie come on with Norm Salmon talk about Rom. But I, I told you this. I was watching this really incredible documentary about John Coltrane chasing uh, Train, which I urge everybody to check out. It really made me uh, love John Tr- Coltrane even more than I did. And out of nowhere, Bill Clinton shows up. And Bill Clinton, of course, played the saxophone. So I guess they dragged him out to be an expert on John Coltrane. And I know Bill Clinton is really smart, Monroe, and he could be a quick read. And like he could read the Wikipedia page on John Coltrane and then act like he knows John Coltrane forever. You know, that's Clinton, right? 
Right. And you know how like he can meet you in one, make you feel like he's known you forever. That's Clinton, right? Yeah. But, uh, Mayor Daly one had that uh, that talent also. Oh man, our, our Richard yeah, J. Daly, not yeah, Baby J. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when I'm watching Clinton Monroe, I'm like, I cannot take this another minute of this man. <laughs> Why, Coltrane, movie makers, did you drag him into this documentary? I, I feel about Bill Clinton. It's like when you see a Democrat really doing something hypocritical, like Gavin Newsom did. That's yeah. like the Bill Clinton factor. Yeah. And it, it, it like pollutes the party. Do you think I'm going too too, too extreme on this one, Monroe? Um, no. No, well, they, by the way, they they they're they're about to have a uh, movie about Clinton and Monica. It's got a series. I don't know if it's a movie or a series, but I, series. I saw it advertised. That's got. Oh be my god! It's called Impeached by Ryan Murphy, the same guy who did the OJ. Oh, uh oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you see the OJ movie, which I loved? I can't yeah, believe yeah, I loved yeah, it so yeah. much. Yeah, I'm it's a big fan of this guy's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's brilliant. He did Pose. He did a lot. He's done a lot of TV shows. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's going to take apart um, uh, Bill Clinton. And yeah, that, that and that'll just fire me up even more. But just it's just a notion that like Bill Clinton has any credibility. And I think Barack Obama's heading down this path. Monroe Anderson, get your thoughts on this. Okay. I think that Barack Obama is in danger with the way he's handling his post-presidency of becoming as much a symbol of democratic hypocrisy as Bill Clinton. I don't know if anybody can approach Bill Clinton. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, what are you basing that on? I don't With know. Obama? <laughs> Obama? <laughs> is, is it just a feeling? It's just uh, a feeling. You know, it's yeah. just a feeling. I, I've not seen a poll or anything. You know, it's just. No, and the thing, what you're using is you're thinking about the birthday party. Yeah, that's that's what you're thinking about. Yes. Uh, but that's yes. not, you know, the thing with that is, you only turn sixty once. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak. I can, I still remember. <laughs> but anyway, you only turn sixty once, and um, and I, I think if 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 I've already forgotten about it, I threw it out of mind. But I think they, they re- required you to have a vaccination to, to, to in the party, although you didn't have to prove it because the people we had coming yeah. didn't have to prove it. But it was a bad look, but it wasn't it wasn't the most hypocritical thing you could do as a politician. And yeah, it was his 60th birthday. Um, they were going to be outdoors for the most part. Yeah. But it was too many people. That was the problem. Well, it, it uh, one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, it it I wasn't um, invited. I would I I would have been a lot more. I would have been there if I'd been invited. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Been, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, uh, we are going to take a break, and when we come back. Uh, we will be joined uh, by Delmarie Cobb and Norman Salmon. I hope we'll be joined by them. Uh, and uh, Monroe Anderson will stick with us. We're going to be talking about whether uh, Joe Biden should continue to press for Rahm Emanuel. Uh, to be his ambassador to Japan. AOC spoke out it against it today. And uh, Delmarie Cobb and Norman Salmon are sort of leading the charge against it. 
Um, we'll hear what they have to say when we come back after this. I just biked around Lake Michigan. Hey, everybody, we're back. Welcome back to the Ben Jarosky Show, live from his attic. All right, yes, Monroe Anderson uh, is with us. Uh, Norman Stoblin just texted me that he got the, uh, the email invitation, so he should be joining us uh, real soon. He is an ally of Delmarie Cobb, good friend of the show, Delmarie Cobb is, uh, and they're leading the charge to uh, block uh, Rahm Emanuel uh, as a uh, nominee to be ambassador to Japan. Uh, they would, in a best world, they would hope that uh, Joe Biden with, would withdraw the nomination, just decide it's not a good idea and drop it quietly and move on. Uh, but if necessary, uh, they're willing to have a, a, a floor fight uh, on this matter and um, hope that uh, enough Democrats join them uh, to uh, defeat uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel if it came down to a floor fight. Man, that would be some uh, spectacle. I, of course, kind of welcome the whole thing because I would love to uh, hear Rahm under oath being forced to answer all kinds of questions about what he did as mayor, what he knew as mayor, what, uh, particularly about the Laquan McDonald affair. Uh, and so I look forward to this uh, spirit of fire. We're waiting for Norman to join us. He said he uh, got the invitation. So before uh, we bring Norman on or he joins us, Monroe, what's your general thoughts about this? Uh, Rahm Emanuel is no longer mayor because of uh, uh, McDonald and the 16, the 16 shots. Uh, so um, as, as far as I was concerned, mission accomplished and let him go to Japan. I don't care one way or the other if he goes or not. All right. That, that's Monroe Anderson's view. Uh, Delmarie Cobb has joined us political strategist in the city of Chicago, who's been around almost as long as I've been. Monroe, uh, Delmarie, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And you heard your old friend Monroe Anderson, his opinion on Rahm Emanuel. I will turn things over to you. Your thoughts on whether uh, Democrats just quietly look the other way and let Rahm Emanuel be uh, sent over to Japan as the ambassador. No, I don't think Democrats should look the other way. I think that Rahm Emanuel should be disqualified from ever becoming um, any position of prominence in any uh, presidential administration. The damage that he has done to uh, the black community in Chicago is incalculable, and we're still living with it. And to reward him with anything would be an absolute shame on us for saying that we should look the other way. No, we shouldn't. And if the shoe were on the other foot, he wouldn't look the other way. What, what do you mean uh, by that, if the shoe were on the other foot? If he felt that he were harmed by anyone, believe me, he would do all that he could to derail any possibility of them rising to prominence or being rewarded for bad behavior. And he should be as well. All right. Also joining us is uh, Delmarie's uh, old friend and ally, Norman Solomon, making his first visit on the Ben Jarowski show. So first things first, Norman, thanks for being on the show and figuring out uh, how to connect uh, through Google Meet uh, with our humble little uh, podcast. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you, Ben. And, and hi, Delmarie as well. All right. So, uh, Norman, you heard Delmarie before you came on. uh uh, our other guest, Monroe Anderson, dear friend of the show, was suggesting, yeah, maybe a good idea for Democrats just to 
look the other way and and let this one pass. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, um, everything foreshadows everything else. When uh, we decide that we need to just look forward and not look back, it empowers people who did the same kind of thing before to do it again. And I think uh, a lot of the leadership is coming from grassroots here because the Pauls and the people who are trafficking in the conventional wisdom in Washington and the D.C. press corps and so forth uh, they're always horse racing who they think can pull off what first place finish in some particular political battle. But we're getting leadership from elsewhere, uh, from groups in Chicago and around the country who've formed a coalition uh, behind the no2rom.org website. There are thousands of people, literally thousands, in the last few days and weeks who have sent individual emails to their members of the Senate saying vote no. So, you know, we're told, hey, this is a done deal, uh, move on. But the fact is that those who are mourning uh, the loss of their loved ones can move on. That's the reality and the difference between the real world where people suffer consequences of the activities of someone like uh, a mayor or a president. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we've got the uh, hoi polloi and the wealthy uh, who just say, hey, uh, not a problem. I've got bigger fish to fry. I do want to mention, Ben, that just in the last few hours, there's been a statement released by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she had not yet weighed in since Ron Manuel was formally named uh, as the nominee to be the ambassador to Japan. And this is what uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez said. Quote, as Mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel helped cover up the murder of Laquan McDonald, a mere teenager when he was shot 16 times in the back by a Chicago police officer. This alone should be flatly disqualifying for any position of public trust, let alone representing the United States as an ambassador, unquote. Yeah, I saw that right before we came to the show. AOC, uh, she had weighed in earlier uh, before Rom, as Norman said, was officially nominated. Uh, and now she's making it clear that she's uh, not changed her mind. Del Marie, you've been around Chicago a long time, and you were here for all of Rom's uh, administration. And I remember being on a panel with you that you had organized, actually, talking about progressive politics in Chicago on the eve of Rom taking office. I remember that very well, very clearly. Uh, that that meeting we had on a Saturday on the south side of Chicago talking about the future progressive politics uh, in Chicago. Here it is. Ten years have gone since that meeting, Delmarie. Ten years. Can you believe that? Uh, so when you put together the bill of particulars uh, against Rahm Emanuel, uh, Norman Salmon's already addressed, uh, mentioned uh, Laquan McDonald covering up evidence of murder in Laquan McDonald. What else would be in that bill of particulars that you would want Joe Biden and Democrats and the Senate to listen to? Well, the the first thing that comes to mind, and we all know that this was an important issue that we're still wrestling with, and that is the fact that Rahm Emanuel closed 50 schools in mostly black and brown communities. That, that, and, and in some cases, what we have are kids going through gang territory to get to a school. And the other thing that people need to know is that one of the reasons he, I believe, he picked a fight with Karen Lewis, who was the president of the CTU at the time, 
uh, the Chicago Teachers Union is because she was black and she was a woman. And he thought she would be the most vulnerable to show right off the bat who was boss in the city of Chicago. Unfortunately for us, he met his match. He did. Uh, He, in fact, made Karen Lewis. Had it not been for Rahm Emanuel, Karen Lewis, we might not even have known her because she was under the radar until he came along and decided he was going to bully her. And the first way he did it was by, if you remember, trying to fast track, track the extended school day. And that was already going to pass. It was it had already passed the legislature. So it was going to happen, but it was going to happen the next year. He came along and decided, oh, no, I'm going to show you who's boss. It's going to happen right now. And he went around and he started paying off principals at schools, $150,000 at a WAP, uh, so that they could do things for their schools. And all in all, he got about 13, 14 principals who said yes and out of 400 uh, schools. But it was the drip, drip, drip of him announcing it every day that made it seem like, oh, there's a groundswell. And these are the people who are going, these are CTU's own people going against them. And and so that gave him all this wind behind his sails. And so one of the things he, uh, in, in meeting with uh, Karen, he said to her, you know, face it, Karen, 25% aren't going to make it anyway. Yeah. And the 25%, as I always say, were 25% selective enrollment, 25% charter school, 25% private school, and 25% neighborhood school. And he was going to make sure those students didn't make it because he was going to close all of them. Uh, Delmarie, when you, when you went on that riff, I was just sitting there. It was bringing back memories, and uh, I was I couldn't help but laugh because just the blatant deceit of the way Rom ran this city. It just you know, like uh, remember when they he they uh, his uh, strategists or his uh, operators uh, were paying protesters to show up. Remember that one where they paid the protesters? Uh, they were homeless people. They paid them to show up and support the school board and its initiative to close schools. Uh, so, yeah, the deceit of Rob Emanuel is coming okay. back to me. All Go right. Ahead. Now, I am not a fan of Rob's. I mean, I, 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 was, I was writing um, for the Defender column for the Defender. I was doing some uh, talk shows on it. A radio station that shall remain nameless, <laughs> and doing appearances on your show. So I'm not a fan of Rob, but I want to take a different approach. Um, we have a bunch of enemies, those of us on the left, right now, and a lot of things going on. And I, we got rid of Rom. He's no longer mayor. That was the fate accompli. He can't do any harm there, and so. What I would argue is that we shouldn't be um, detracted by this fight over whether he goes to Japan or not, which I don't care if he's there or not. You know, I mean, I, I would nominate him if I had had a choice or vote. I wouldn't do it, but but I don't think we should be fighting among ourselves about something that inconsequential. When we got voting rights. Uh, we, 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 we have um, the um, um, police 
laws reforming the police. We we have bigger fish to fry, and, and I I think we should stay um, united and focused on that. Well, I think we are united and focused on it, and I don't think that this is a distraction. I think that to not try to stop this nomination, and and I spoke out when his name was not uh, being discussed for Secretary of Transportation. Uh, To not have this discussion publicly is to say that it is okay to harm black people and get away with it, and you he will didn't get away with it, Delbury. He's no longer mayor. He, he did not lost get away his with job. It. Not if he's, he, he got away with it. But then he becomes national. So you 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 no longer local, but now you're national. So he was national before. Local stage, and now we're going to make you bigger than you were. No, no we, this, okay. we in his chapter, his yeah. chapter, he is trying to rewrite his history. And how he rewrites it is he does not want to look as though he, fa- he, he, he failed to be mayor of Chicago. We know that he stepped down because he knew he could not win. Right. That's why he stepped down. It was about saving face. And so he does not want that to be the last chapter of his life. What he wants is to end on a high note. And I don't want him to end on a high note, especially when I'm watching him on television on a regular basis lying about what it is to be a good mayor. Something he never was. You know, I think part of it is if we want to be truthful about the present, we need truth about the past. And there's an amazing statement that was released about a week ago by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. You uh, hold on to your hats and fasten your seatbelts here into the uh, surreal fantasy world that we're supposed to believe is reality. This is what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, quote, In the House and indeed across the nation, Rahm Emanuel is known and respected by all for his relentlessness and track record of success, unquote. Now, if we are going to gaslight the country that way, then we're simply being absurd. It makes no sense whatsoever. So I think that to be clear about where we're headed, we got to clear where we are and where we've been. The fact is that if the Senate approves, and I certainly hope it does not, this nomination, Ron Manuel will be the U.S. ambassador to the third largest economy on the planet. And we've got to believe that a guy who spent two and a half years making $80 million between his government so-called service is going to know how to finagle around the dollars and the yens and line up his next way to rip off the world by his own malfeasance. So I do see this as a significant issue. Well, that quote from uh, Nancy Pelosi just made me stop. Uh, and I almost felt as though, uh, Del Marie, uh, that all my lefty, uh, friends who just hammer me for being too nice, uh, to Nancy Pelosi are going, okay, Ben, what are you going to say? <laughs> Cause you know, Norman, you don't know me, but, uh, I, uh, I defend in the face of withering criticism from my friends on the left, uh, how Nancy Pelosi, uh, has handled much of the, uh, legislation has come her way and dealt and how she dealt with Trump. But I also recognize uh, the theme that's embedded in what you just read, Norman Solomon, and that is that she is a player in Washington. Uh, and as such, Rahm has been a, uh, an important ally to her. And they don't care what Rahm did to people in Chicago. They don't care about people in Chicago. 
put it to that, uh, and, but bluntly. And uh, they don't care if most people in the city of Chicago uh, can't stand Rahm Emanuel or who have been hurt or damaged by him. Uh, all that matters is just their little world of Washington. Uh, so that's really brings them, home that. I, I think it's about services rendered to the elites uh, that have profited. And we've seen that in the last year and a half of COVID stock market skyrocketing while working people and want to be working people and children and the elderly, they're suffering more and more. I, I do want to mention, I hope everybody will read Ben's piece, the current uh, piece in the last few days the Chicago Reader, it's just an excellent summary of not only Ron Manuel's record, but why we should care about blocking him from representing this country as the ambassador to Japan. He has a history nationally of ravaging people's lives and not looking back. He's like driving without a real view mirror because he's so important in his quest for greater stature. Here's somebody who, when he was a very powerful player in the Clinton White House, he pushed through all these policies that were damaging to working people, to those who were trying to raise families, especially hard-hitting women, people of color, so-called welfare reform that had such devastating effects. Ron Manuel was a big player to make that happen. He really loved and pushed the now very infamous 1994 crime bill. He pushed NAFTA. So he represents a certain force and if that force is able to now get its arms around the delegation that is representing this country in Japan, by the way, a very volatile region, can you imagine how the word diplomat and Rahm Emanuel fit together? We're sending him to this South China Sea area where these nuclear submarines are roaming around. He's not exactly a diplomat that I would want to make the peace. Uh, Del Marie, you're being the, sort of the local public face for uh, uh, this movement. And in Chicago, generally, when they have a way of treating people uh, who take strong public stands against uh, powerful icons on the local front. Have you been getting phone calls from people saying, Del Marie, do you know what's good for your career? Back off on this one. Have you gotten those kinds of uh, that kind of response uh, to your position on this? Well, Ben, after 30 years of doing this, they, they know I'm crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they have come to that conclusion that I'm like a bad penny. I keep somehow coming back. And uh, so, no, I have not had those phone calls. I'm sure those discussions are probably taking place, but I've not had those phone calls. But it just goes to show that what my position has been for 30 years, and I've been very clear for 30 years, is that there are no permanent friends or permanent enemies, only permanent interests. And that is why this is important. As a interest, as progressives, we need to, we need to unite and we need to stop this because we have to connect the dots. You cannot look at the Biden administration and the only reason there is a Biden administration is because mm -hmm. of black people. Yeah. And then say to black people, that you don't matter, that what matters is the career and resume of someone who showed nothing but disdain for the black community while he was mayor of Chicago and disdain based on what Norman reminded us, his record of disdain throughout his whole career. 
And so we cannot look the other way and we cannot let this go. That doesn't mean we'll win, but we certainly are going to go down trying. And that career, I think, is being whitewashed by the two senators from Illinois. I think they were only nanoseconds after the formal announcement on the 20th of August of this nomination to be ambassador that Dick Durbin came out with, with a statement. He said Rahm Emanuel, quote, has a lifetime of public service preparing him to speak for America, unquote. That's not only about the past. That's not only about the present. We're supposed to believe now, according to Senator Durbin, that Rahm Emanuel has had this lifetime of service that is, quote, preparing him to speak for America. And then another protege who is now in the U.S. Senate, and I doubt uh, she would be there without support from Rahm Emanuel, Tammy Duckworth said that Emanuel's, quote, years of experience make him well-suited to represent the United States of America in this important role, unquote. Norman, welcome to the city of Chicago. <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, Norman Solomon is a first-time guest of the Benjamin because I believe he live in California. Is that correct? Right. Do I have That's that out? This is Chicago politics. Delmarie, you, you can speak to this. <laughs> Every The powerful will look out for each other. Monroe's, Monroe knows it's true, even if he uh, is uh, singing Rahm's praise a bit. No, no, I'm just teasing you, Monroe. Right. But he knows this is true. He knows this. This is so Chicago, Norman Solomon. They, all these crimes happen on our watch. And then when they usher someone out, they treat him like he was this great leader who cared about the people, the little people of Chicago. And it's all because they're scratching each other's backs in the city. Uh, and it really, in my humble opinion, I'd love to get Monroe's thoughts on this. I'll start with you, Delmarie. I really do believe that part of the reason the Democrats lost to Donald Trump in 2016 aside from our crazy electoral college system, uh, is that they have no credibility or their credibility has been sacrificed because year after year they look the other way when Democrats like Rahm Emanuel uh, impose programs that generally Mitt Romney types in the Republican Party support or do things like cover up evidence of a murder. So I just think it just hurts Democratic credibility that Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth, by the way, Duckworth does owe her career, Norman Solomon, to Rahm Emanuel, because he was the one who ushered her to the top in 2008 or two, 2010 when she first was running for Congress. Uh, but I just think it undercuts Democratic credibility. Uh, I'm going to go start with you, Delmarie, and then Monroe gets to weigh in. Go ahead, Delmarie, your response. Well, this is why this is not only a local issue, but a national issue as well, because of what you just said. We have a slim margin in Congress, in the Senate in particular, uh, to get a big agenda through, uh, an agenda that the Democrats want to get passed uh, so that it can help people. And then we would take an opportunity and gamble it away on one person and when the, when the black community already doesn't have a whole lot of faith in the Democratic Party and often says that the Democratic Party only comes to us when they need us and then they forget us and kick us to the curb. And this is an example of that. 
This is a continuation of that. And this is why Donald Trump got in the White House in the first place, because of voter apathy and the lack of voter turnout. And when we should be trying to make sure that we have the same kind of turnout in 2022 that we had in 2020, we are doing something to shoot ourselves in the foot because of one person or because of the elite and the powerful. Monroe, your thoughts. If you had a news crew that went out on the streets of Chicago, Detroit, New York, you name it, and ask them who was the last ambassador to Japan, nobody would know. Well, there would be some people, but the average person would not know. What, what I'm saying is it would have been horrible had, had Rom been named the um, uh, head of transportation. Because that touches us all, and especially with this ambitious infrastructure program that the Democrats have are trying to launch right now. But I say that Japan is not a big deal. Um, most people don't know who Rom is, except for in Chicago, and they're not going to know when Rom becomes the, uh, the ambassador to Japan. I'm just saying I don't think that it's it's a good fight to have at this time. But um, but you know if you want to do it, so be it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm indifferent towards it. But Monroe, if you put that question a different way, okay. do you think Rahm Emanuel should become? the ambassador of Japan, given that he did the following. If you said that to black people, you would get a very different answer. And since we know that's how most polls and surveys are taken, um, not who is the ambassador of Japan, which is an open-ended question, um, you, you push people so that they understand who it is they're rewarding. And those of us in Chicago know, but black people all over the country should care. And especially when you're talking about police accountability and, and, we, and consent decrees and uh, police brutality when it comes to black people, all of those things Rom is the face of. Charter school expansion, that's one of the reasons why he wanted to close neighborhood schools in Chicago, because he wanted to give his friends the contracts to expand charter schools. I mean, we've got to be clear about all of the things that he did to harm the least of these in the city of Chicago. And the last thing he did on his way out the door was to fast track two tips, only $2.2 billion for two developments on the north side in white communities while he's done nothing while it took six years to get a grocery store in a black community. So here's somebody who has shown an utter disdain for black people. Uh, and just that's a- why he's not mayor. See, I, that was important to him. And, and, and what damage he can or cannot do as ambassador to, to Japan is minimal as far as I'm concerned. We. He's no longer mayor because of all the atrocities he committed. He, he was not going to get the vote again. Um, he's, he's, he's paid that price. And, and I'm not sure personally if it's worth having a big fight over him about this, which could um, do a lot for him, just, just like his fighting against um, 
the uh, head of the school board made her name more, then we could actually give him a promotion by having a fight. And, and we don't know where the, the Republicans are going to fall on that fight, whether they don't like him either. But um, to discredit Biden and what the Democrats are, are trying to do, they may, they may take up that fight. I just want to make a, qu- a quick correction, Delmer. You know, I'm obsessive about these things. The, those two tiffs that he rammed through at the very end, one was on the north side. The other one was on the near south side in the south loop. Uh, that's the 78. But your point's well taken. They were for gentrifying areas that didn't need the public handout. Uh, and uh, this is a point that Monroe and I have been talking about at great length, uh, even not, not even on the show. Uh, Delmarie and Norman Monroe and I talk obsessively off the air about things like this. Uh, but... Uh, Monroe's concern that a, a bitter floor fight in the uh, uh, Senate on would hurt Joe Biden and hurt his administration uh, and undercut his efforts to do something like uh, promote a, the Bernie Sanders budget uh, that he is advancing. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We'll start with you, Norman, your response, and then Delmarie, uh, you take it from there. Go ahead, Norman. Well, like a lot of people, I'm most worried about 2022 and 2024 and it will hinge on turnout. And when the Democratic Party from the top messages to people of color and others that those who have gotten away with covering up murder from police are going to be advanced, there is no case of dash cam cover up and overall hiding of basic murder by police. There is no case in the history of the United States more well-known properly than what was done in the aftermath of the killing of Laquan McDonald. And that is just reality. And the, as the saying goes, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And Rahm Manuel, as we found uh, before the... Uh, one of the wars with Iraq, uh, we know that an ambassador can do tremendous damage. There was one named April Glaspie. Uh, she did some tap dancing meeting with Saddam Hussein, and a lot of people died as a result. That's going back uh, some decades now. But ambassadors can make a difference. There's tremendous uh, military tension, as I mentioned, in that part of the world, East Asia. There are billions of dollars at stake that will ultimately affect the taxpayers of the United States. And most of all, I think, if we're concerned about whether Rahm Emanuel will have a future to affect the people of the United States, he's not an old man yet by most standards. And Joe Biden will not be president forever if the resume of Rahm Emanuel includes sailing through and becoming ambassador to Japan then what's to stop him from coming back and filling the seat of Dick Durbin? If he's not challenged, if his PR flackery is not diminished and reality doesn't set in and the kind of gaslighting that just came from Speaker Pelosi about him is allowed to stand, then he could still be on his way up. Delmarie? No, that's my feeling exactly. And that's why I think it is imperative that we stop this now. It was imperative that we stop when his name was being bandied about for Secretary of Transportation. We got that victory. 
Biden's decided it wasn't worth the headache. And that's what this is about. We've got to make him decide it is not worth the headache because we do know that there are powerful people in his ear who are all cheering and rallying around uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel. And we've got to make sure that doesn't happen. And I feel just like Norman that this only pays the way for him to continue to build his resume. That is what this is about. This is about resume building and putting the mayor's, the mayor's administration, his mayoral administration in the rear view mirror. That's what this is about. And so we cannot take a chance. That's why progressives have all the problems we have because we're so easily distracted and and, and it's about the next fight. Oh, well, well, let's not worry about that fight because we got bigger fights. No, we got all the fights. You, you know, Delmarie, I'm thinking uh, Monroe and I have had many conversations about how Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema uh, block legislation or force uh, uh, Joe Biden to back off of initiatives uh, that uh, lefties like Monroe and I want him uh, to support. You know, I would just think if Bernie Sanders uh, and Elizabeth Warren were to tell Joe Biden, we're not voting for him, that should end it. Am I missing something here? Or do you think he could, Rom could get Republican, but we could have this bizarre situation where the one time Republicans uh, <laughs> support a Biden initiative is to nominate Rahm Emanuel or to approve uh, Emanuel's nomination uh, to ambassador to Japan. What do you think, Delmarie? Well, that's not far-fetched. No. That's not a far-fetched idea. After all, Rahm Emanuel is a closeted Republican. And after all, he made his money, that $18.5 million dollars, was made because of Bruce Rauner, who was a Republican, who later became the governor of Illinois. So that is not a far-fetched idea because he has many Republican friends. Yeah, and there's a real pattern in history of this. We got NAFTA passed as this terrible trade deal because of Republican votes. Bill Clinton got it done, and that's how it happened. And it's quite feasible that Republicans, depending on how they strategize, may or may not throw in with Rahm Emanuel. There is a uh, precedent a few months ago. Uh, we had Neera Tandon, uh, who was nominated to be OMB uh, director, very powerful position. Mm -hmm. And Neera Tandon is closely aligned with the Ron Emanuel so-called third way, people who hate progressives who are trying to roll back the clock of history in terms of progress. And it turned out that they weren't quite able at the White House to push it through because of not only progressive uh, uh, opposition, but also Republicans just weren't going to vote for uh, vote for uh, her. And she went down and the nomination was with, withdrawn. I think it's going to be an uphill climb, but it's possible that could happen with Rahm Emanuel. Well, first of all, I don't, don't get me started on that one, Norman. I, I talked a lot about that one on our show. And uh, she, her... <laughs> Republicans turned against her because she told the absolute truth about Ted Cruz in a tweet. You know what I'm saying? I just laughed at them crying over her tweets about Ted Cruz, how mean she was to Ted Cruz, Norman Solomon, with right. Donald Trump and wage war on Twitter on every one of his enemies. So there was a lot of fraudulence in that one as well. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's Capitol Hill for you. You get the votes where you can get them. Yeah. 
So uh, I don't think I don't think Nira would get any Republican votes. Uh, first of all, she's a woman, and uh, there would be, as Delmarie knows, a bias against her in that front. I think Rom. I'm just shaking my head at disbelief because Republicans hammer Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Uh, Del Marie Cop hammer them all the time, particularly Barack Obama, and Rom was their uh, one of their top aides. He's linked to them, and if they vote for Rom, if if Republican votes are the ones that over what uh, undo but Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren vote. I don't know if Elizabeth Warren's going to vote. No, by the way, I'm just assuming that she would be the second vote. That would be profoundly ironic and just go to show, as Norman was saying, that there's no reality uh, in Washington, D.C., Delmarie Cobb. Well, when you look at who Rom's friends are, you know, Bruce Rauner, Ken Griffin, uh, you know, you just go down the line. Uh, some of the big money people here, the Ricketts, uh, Uline, you know, just go down the list. And they're heads of corporations and they're his friends. And so... And their friends are Republican elected officials. So I just believe that that's, you know, the, the, the one thing the Republicans do better than us is they do strategize and they know how to work every system possible to get where they want to get. And we don't do that. Mm. All right. Uh, so let me, uh, before I uh, leave Ron behind and turn the tables on Norman Solomon, uh, with a California question, let me just uh, ask Delmarie Monroe this one. The working assumption that both of you have made uh, throughout this show is that Rahm Emanuel would have been defeated had he run for uh, election in 2019. Yes. I'm not certain of that, and I'll tell you why. And I'll get both of your response. I believe that Barack Obama would have endorsed Rahm in 2019. And that with Barack's endorsement, Barack Obama's endorsement, he might have won again. That is the power that Barack Obama has over his supporters in Chicago. He convinced them to vote for Rahm in 2015. Delmarie Cobb knows I'm exactly right about this. Uh, and there's a good chance he could have done it in 2019. We'll start with you, Monroe Anderson, for your thoughts on this. He did, in fact, uh, play a role in Rahm winning the first time. Um, my belief is that um, he wouldn't have gotten Obama's endorsement the second time, which is one reason why he didn't run. Uh, if, he, if, 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 if he were guaranteed Obama's support again, then he, and he, he would have run, knowing that that would get him over. So I think it's moot. That's a good point. Delmarie? No, I agree 100%. He got Barack Obama's support the first time. He got Barack Obama's support the second time when Barack went on Black Talk Radio and other black radio stations with ads saying that uh, he was hard-headed, give him a second chance. And that's what black people did, even though they did it begrudgingly. But one of the reasons uh, Barack Obama it was the president, so he is not crazy, and he has a, a legacy and a reputation that he also wants to protect. Right. It was not about to let it go down in flames because of Rahm Emanuel. And it certainly would have gone down in flames had he come out after Laquan McDonald and then defended this man once again, knowing that he, there was a cover up. 
Right. Well, Del Marie, then let me raise this point. What if Barack Obama comes out for Rahm to be uh, ambassador to Japan? What if Barack Obama says, you know, he was a great servant? I could just hear the, I could, I could hear the BS that somebody would write for him to say, Del Marie Cobb. Uh, he was a great he, servant to me. He, and, uh, Obama's it. a good writer. He doesn't need anybody to write that stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, he, what he does is he rewrites it, from what I read in Monroe. Someone writes the first draft and then he, uh, whatever, whoever wrote it. Okay. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Del Marie? It'd be awfully hard to uh, upend Bar- uh, Rahm Emanuel's nomination if Barack Obama comes out and endorses him. Do you agree? Well, one thing, you haven't heard him come out yet. And you didn't hear him come out for the transportation, the Secretary of Transportation. Right. And I don't believe you're going to hear him come out for this. Now, is he whispering in people's ears? I absolutely believe that's what's happening, along with a lot of other powerful people. I mean, he's whispering in their ears which way? Support Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he wants to wear that jacket publicly. Yeah, I uh, I would hope for his own sake that he doesn't wear that jacket. Uh, and for in his defense, Monroe's going to smile at this. I believe that Rahm was one of the people disinvited from the birthday party. Delmarie Cobb, Ma, uh, Monroe and I were talking about Barack Obama's birthday party and uh, that he had what a bad idea that was to have on the eve of uh, the spread of the, the Delta. And uh, Rahm, I think, was one of the people who was uh, disinvited. So I don't know if we want to read uh, too much into that. He wasn't a big enough celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Norma, we're going to close with me turning tables uh, on you in California. And I'd love to hear Delmarie's thoughts on this as well. Um, yes, Chicago politics is an unseemly thing. Uh, Norman, as you pointed out, Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth have immediately endorsed Rom. Uh, and Rom protected daily despite all the corruption Delmarie knows what I'm talking about all the corruption of Daly's administration Rom looked the other way pretended didn't exist and then he gave a speech saying what a great mayor Mayor Daly was uh, and he would have been supporting Mayor Daly up until the moment uh, that Daly finally decided uh, he had enough uh, and stepped down that's how we do it in Chicago that's how they do it I should say the powerful elite of the Democratic Party they just support each other and pretend uh, that their ills don't exist however Democrats in California, Norman Solomon, not much better. Talking about Gavin Newsom and his ridiculous notion that uh, in the midst of a pandemic, it was a good idea to uh, have break bread with lobbyists at a restaurant, nobody wearing a mask, while he's telling California residents they um, should not have Thanksgiving dinner with grandma because she may transmit uh, the disease. Norman Sometimes the hypocrisy of the Democrats is breathtaking and they wonder why voters don't believe them. It's at play. I believe in the Rahm Emanuel nomination. It's also at play uh, with Gavin Newsom and the recall. What's your uh, reaction response to what I just said? I agree with you. And one of the worst aspects of it is it undercuts our ability to defeat Republicans, which and I grew up, I'm 70 years old, I never liked Republicans, but you had Everett Dirksen come from a state you know very well. You had people who were not fanatical right-wingers, which is what we got now. So the stakes are raised when elitism at the top of the Democratic Party 
makes it all more easy for these Trumpist fanatics, so dangerous, to gain and retain power. Out here in California, we're struggling with the failure of the top of the Democratic Party to really effectively push back against the minority of voters and their constituents. 24% of Californians are registered Republicans, and yet we now are facing a specter of a very right-wing Republican governor taking office this fall. Full disclosure, I've been a member of the California Democratic Party State Central Committee for almost 10 years now. And it's a party that is filled with progressives. Almost all elected officials in California with a D after their name say that they are progressive. But when push comes to shove all too often, and this will sound familiar, they're in the pockets of corporations. And so they elevate to the top someone like Gavin Newsom, and then his feet literally, no, not literally, figuratively, uh, get kissed on a regular basis. Uh, there's a, a great reverence for whoever's at the top. That's a familiar pattern. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, been in for what, close to three years now. And his in the bubble elitism didn't seem to bother uh, the politicians here who, who are Democrats. And as you mentioned, Ben, it's a symptom of the attitude, the approach to governance that in the middle of a pandemic, after laudably telling people not to go out in public, for God's sake, don't go into a restaurant, keep those masks on in any public place, he goes out to a place where the average dinner costs $350. It's a dinner party, a birthday party for a top lobbyist for the uh, in connection with the corrupt utility that's set to the tune of billions of dollars of damage, forests on fire here in California, uh, PG&E. And we're in a situation now where we're on the precipice of a recall that looks mm-hmm. to be very close. Staggering. It's uh, it's very staggering. I think there are uh, uh, similarities to uh, parallels to Rahm Emanuel. Adele Marie, your, rea- your thoughts on California? I think Monroe wanted to say something. Oh, yeah. go ahead, Monroe. <laughs> He was, Newsom, was, was um, interviewed today or yesterday. And um, what he got hit with was how the, um, the classes are more, more separated in California than any other state. How it's, it's uneven, it's, uh, it's racial division, and he has not done anything about it. And they wanted to know if he was going to do anything about it. And he gave some typical political uh, answer about how, yeah, it was terrible, and he was going to address address it. He had he had started to address it. Uh, so I, I'm thinking, and and maybe Norman can answer this better, is that this may be a, a wake up call for him if he squeaks through. What, what do you think? It's possible that it could be. I think he's been shocked at what happened. Here's somebody who did not grow up wealthy, but he grew up under the tutelage and the uh, shepherding of the Getty uh, clan. And so he's never seen anything but wealth all around him. And I think 
in his wildest nightmare politically, he could have never expected this to come down. And of course, the right wing, whenever they see an opening, they just barrel right through, which is what they have done. So it's possible that if he squeaks through, and it, I think could be very close, he could govern in a more progressive direction. When you step back, though, it seems that these lessons learned are not learned quite often. And, you know, you look at what happened in 2000, you look at what happened in 2016, where the rhetoric of, hey, I'm for working people, doesn't really sell very well. It doesn't resonate as authentic when you're carousing with the big Wall Street tycoons and you're making clear um, who you really care about. Delmarie, your thoughts on California? Well, you know, I, I think that if I had been advising Gavin Newsom, I would have told him to take a page from the Republicans and just, you know, fall on the sword, say what you did, but then move on and gaslight the rest of California, like the Republicans gaslight us about everything. I mean, if this were Trump, it, he wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have had dinner. You didn't see him on tape. What are you talking about? I don't know what, you know, I didn't eat anything. And so. That, that, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that wasn't him. That was, that, that was his lookalike. <laughs> and, so, and so Gavin Newsom needed to do the same thing because what's at stake here. And I mean, the, the idea that Larry Elder could possibly become the governor of uh, California is the most frightening thing in the world. That is absolutely frightening. And I don't know if people, I mean, I can't imagine that they don't know what's at stake. Even if you don't like Gavin, even if you want to sh- pay him uh, sh- uh, pay him back and, and hit him upside his head, whatever it is you're trying to do, do it, but don't do it to the point that you hurt yourself. And that's Absolutely. That, that's right. We, we're definitely pushing here for a, a no on the recall. I'd say quickly that this is a concentric story, even here in California, because the ripple effects of the Larry Elder governorship are horrendous. It could make mm. Mitch McConnell the majority leader before the end of 2012 in the Senate for a simple reason that we have an 88-year-old senator who, according to Jane Mayer at the New Yorker magazine, is not able to perform her duties. She is somewhere in the early stages of, for lack of a better word, dementia, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. And in California, if you have a vacancy, that vacancy is filled by the governor. Uh, In a couple of months, that governor could be a Republican. And if in the next year, Dianne Feinstein vacates her office for one reason or another, we have a huge problem in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, I... It's uh, on so many fronts and so many levels, uh, Monroe, Delmarie and Norman, it's frightening uh, the implications of uh, of, uh, of recalling Newsom. And I say this as a guy who I just really don't like Gavin Newsom's style of politics. Uh, Norman, I don't know the man. I've never met him. But I got to believe, Delmarie, that if you were his strategist, no way he would have gone to that dinner. No. Okay, I could hear Delmarie on the phone. Are you crazy? <laughs> no, uh, absolutely. Anyway, uh, at 
I just uh, before I let you go, is there a website that folks should know about about uh, uh, Norman and Delmarie about uh, opposition to Rom? Because I'm with you on this one. I uh, Monroe and I don't see eye to eye on everything. Uh, right. We see eye to eye on a lot no, of things. I'm right. Totally no, and and I, I want to repeat. I don't care. It's not that I want to see Rob get the job, but uh, I just I don't want us to get uh, distracted over Rob and lose big, bigger things. Well, I do want to invite everybody to go to the website notorom.org. That's N-O-T-O-R-O-M.org. And in about 30 seconds, once you get there, you can send an email to both of your senators uh, now whether um, – Tammy uh, Duckworth and Dick Durbin have their feet in cement on this remains to be seen, but they should hear from their constituents. All right. Very good. No to Ron. That's keeping it simple. Uh, let's hope uh, California uh, can figure out the same thing. No to recall. Really? All right. Uh, Norman Salmon. Thank you. Del Marie. It's always a blast talking to you. And of course the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson every Wednesday on the show. Thank all three of you for uh, showing up today for this conversation. And I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy in Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. It is Norman. Del Marie and Monroe could tell you. Back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. 